When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hi, welcome to The Sky's the Limit. This is Karen Levitt, and I have the pleasure to um, be joined this week by my Deborah Schlag. She's my featured guest. And a little bit about Deb. She's uh, founded the Awakening Center for Inner Healing and Empowerment in North Carolina, incorporated nonprofit 5013C public charity after she experienced a traumatic brain injury. The goal is to maintain them. They welcome others to come experience personal healing, renewal, and growth of mind, body, spirit, empowering them through discovery of the tools and awareness they need to move forward in their healing process. And it's with that that I would like to warmly welcome Deborah Schlag to the program. Hi, Karen. Hi. I'm thrilled to have you here today. So you have so much that we can talk about. You've done so much, and your journey's just been incredible. So, um, you know, as I start out, I know you, you suffered a traumatic brain injury yourself. Yes. Um, you know, when, when was that, and what was that, what was that like for you? Oh, that was 2003. It wasn't very fun. <laughs> um, it. I was in a car wreck, and, uh, you know, I never really heard about brain injury more than, like, when kids get hurt playing, doing this and that. They say they have a concussion, their head's going to hurt for a little while. I, I had no idea of this whole other world of nothing works. Um and who would know I hit my head, I don't have to shave my legs. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. all those things that happened to me, you know, the hair not growing, the stomach not working, um, my eyes were closed for a year and a half, basically, um, sleeping 22 hours a day. I, I had no clue. I was totally clueless. So um, I have learned a tremendous amount, and I still learning so much. Every time I meet somebody new, they add to what I know, just learning through them. And um, so I'm mm. trying to help other people with what I what I know and what I gather. So you said your eyes were shut for 22 hours. Did you mean literally or figuratively or both? I slept for 22 hours a day for Did three you? and a half months. My eyes were mostly closed for... Uh, a year and a half, and that was because my brain didn't process light, color, and sound. Mm-hmm. And um, I could open my eyes and look straight down in my lap or, like, to my plate if I was eating. Uh, but if I were to look across, like, a table to you or across a room to you, it was too much, and it was almost like passing out and throwing up at the same time and um, awful feelings. And so... Once I figured out that all I had to do is keep my eyes closed, um, and also because the pain level was lower when my eyes were closed, then mm-hmm. I just kept them closed. And mm-hmm. uh, it was around the year and a half mark I really started um, being able to have them open, even though I still had to have protection. And I had those big dark glasses that wrap around your head and don't let any light in. And mm-hmm. I slept, and so I wore those 24 hours a day for 
probably, I'm, I don't remember exactly, somewhere between the three and four year mark is when I got those off. Mm-hmm. I can understand so, it. Um, I remember saying to my doctors going, I can't <clears> see. And they look at me funny, like, what do you mean you can't see? And yeah. it was very eye-opening, literal, you know, literally, to find out that I was experiencing light activity. My eyes, my eyes weren't accommodating, and it sounds like maybe that's what was happening for you. And yeah, it was, it was painful. Yeah, accommodate. And um, the other thing that was when I did start being able to see, um, everything was not clear. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a frog in my throat today. Um, everything was not clear. It was it was fuzzy, and I kept thinking, "How are we going to fix this?" And um, uh, nobody really understood what it was until several years down the road, a massage therapist brought it to my attention, and um, she said, "Well, explain that to me. What do you see like?" And I I told her how I see, and she did a little experiment with me. I wrote about it in my book because it was very funny, mm-hmm. and. Um, she said, well, there's nothing really the matter with you. What's happening is you see energy. You always could see it before, but now you're very aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, huge thing for me. Yeah, it's amazing. You go through this process and what we perceive as, I guess, everyday life, norm- what, our, what our normal was. Yeah. And there's um, sort of a shift, if you will. And I experienced the same sort of thing. It was almost like I had new eyes. You have an awakening. You begin to see um, differently or with more clarity. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm, it's hard to explain because I, I know we share some of the same symptoms. I word search, and I, I'm sure you did as well. So that that's very painful to have something that you really want to explain or express, and you, you really can't. Um, the way I explained it to people back then was, you know, if you, on a really hot day when you're at the gas station and people are putting the gas in and you can kind of see the fumes or you can see the heat rise off the ground or at an airport when they take off, you know, you can see that heat um, rising off the ground. It's kind of like a blurry. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. So. When I look at people, that's it. That's what I see around them. I see that blurry. I see that energy around them. Yeah, so and that, that le- has to be able to make it where they could understand. Mm-hmm. Which leads me into my next point, because through this process, you've had an awakening. You've become a healer. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask what, what that process was like. I know you've written your book, and I was going to go in there. So if you could maybe touch on what the process was like you know, through this, your awakening, becoming a healer. Because you're healing yourself. Um, yeah. You know, I did everything alternative because that was the type of person I was before. And so, of course, after that would be the type of, of things that I sought out to help in my own healing process. And so from the very beginning, everything that everybody did, everything they told me, I just thought, like I sucked it up like a sponge. I wanted to know everything. I never shut up when I was on a table or <laughs> in somebody's presence. It was like, tell me all about this. Tell me why this. Tell me why that. And um, we had moved, and um, we were in Ohio, and a lady that worked with my husband, I had only seen her once because I didn't do very much. I was still pretty much homebound. Uh, she called me one day, and she said, 
have you ever heard of healing touch therapy? And I said, no. And she said, oh. She said, that's really odd because you come from Colorado and it's based there. I thought you'd know something about it. And Hmm. I was going to ask you about it because I thought you probably did it. It probably helped you. So I went and started looking up about it and reading about it. It turned out they were having a class in two weeks in my neighborhood, uh, like five minutes away. And um, so I called, and it turned out that I got a hold of the lady who was teaching the class, and she said, oh, you're just in luck. I I had two people cancel this morning, and I said, I'll take those two spots. And so I put down a deposit. I hung up the phone from her. I called back the lady that um, worked with my husband, and I said, guess what? There's classes right here in two weeks. And they only had two available spots, and um, I made us a reservation. Are you coming? And I didn't even know her, um, but she came, and I think she was like my angel because I knew that through my husband, she knew enough about me that if I had a problem, she would get me out, and I wouldn't have to go to the class and say, um, "This is what's going on with me." If you see me, like. Um, starting to slide towards the floor, get me out of here. I didn't have to say any of those things. I knew that that lady would, there were, it was just like an unspoken thing. Mm-hmm. She came to the class with me, and um, I saw her one time afterwards, and so I know she was just like the impetus to get me there, but I ended up going through the whole program, being, becoming certified. And, but what happened was, from that day forward, every time I touched somebody, every time I did anything with anybody, whatever they were suffering from was instantly healed or sending them in a direction of improvement. But it not only helped them, it helped me. So every time mm-hmm. I put hands on somebody else, I would catapult it forward. And which hmm. to me was like confirmation of this is what you are really supposed to do, which I believe is the whole reason I experienced the wreck and the brain injury was I wasn't doing what I was meant to do, and it was like being picked up and turned in a different re- direction and, and mm-hmm. being told, oh, sweetie, you're going the wrong way. Here, go over right, here right. do this. And Can I ask? now I'm over here and I'm doing this and I'm having a fantastic time and nice. I'm loving it. Can I ask, Deborah, what what were you doing before? What you know, were you happy? I mean, at what you were doing, or so called happy at what you were doing? Oh yeah, I loved what I was doing. Um, you know, I think we have cycles in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I was a mom, and I had five children, and my youngest two children were right at the point of graduation, and. Um, I was a seamstress, and I had a business in my home. I did, like, dresses for high school choirs, and I did weddings, and whatever anybody asked me to do, I did, and, and that was just, like, my 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 time. And mm-hmm. I, I could have at any time hired and had a full-blown thing, but I always kept it where my family was first and it was second. And I was right at the that pivotal point of... The last two are on their way, and I have also something so that instead of having empty nest syndrome, I could have my cry and get my cup of tea and go to the basement, and I already have something in place so that I have a life. And 
um, so that's where I was, and what happened was it all just stopped right there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but it served its purpose at the time. Sewing is great therapy, um, mm-hmm. and actually, I still use it. I don't. I don't sew. Uh, as a business, I don't make my clothes anymore, that type of thing. But I had the stash of all stash <laughs> because of everything <laughs> I did. And so one of the things that I do at the healing center is I make quilts for people mm-hmm. who come. And then um, I bless the quilts and pray over them and infuse them with healing. And when people come, they can use the quilts. Oh, and um, so it, it had its purpose. And now I have a different purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. You know, through, I, I have a, a phrase I like to say, you know, the gift is a shift. And some people may not understand that, but I think through um, sometimes life's challenges, adversities, when you truly begin to, I think, let go of what was, you know, because I had to, I lost everything that defined me in the modern world. Oh, that they and and um, then I I had this awakening and it sounds like you did as well, and uh, yeah. So I say the gift is the shift. So it sounds like you found yeah. your your gift when you shifted, if you will. Well, something that I see a lot is you know that's beautiful. People go through this traumatic experience, and they're so busy looking backward about what I can't do anymore or what has changed, and oh, no, that they don't see what's opening up before them. Mm -hmm. And the people that I see who are making that shift, who are looking in front of them and saying, okay, well, this is what happened and what do I do with it now, Mm -hmm. and are trying to create a happy, healthy life for themselves, Um, the ones that I know, they they are happy, they're doing wonderful things, they are like... You know, I'm meeting so many people who I would have never met that I'm having so much fun. And, of course, I wouldn't recommend going and having a brain injury to get to this place. But the point is, is you can be happy and healthy. The alternative is choosing not to, Mm -hmm. um, but wouldn't you rather choose to figure out, okay, how do I use what I have now to have a health healthy, happy life, and, you know, we all might have little lingering things that will linger throughout our life, and we just make adjustments and figure out how to work with them, mm-hmm. and um, people don't change <laughs> so easily. They yeah. don't like change, and especially when it sets them aside a little bit, when they're a little bit different than everybody else, but as long as you're fine with it, everybody else will be. Right. And, that's and you know, big ticket. Exactly. And you know, with that, we're coming to a break, Deborah. So I want to ask okay. the listeners to please stay with us, and we'll be back momentarily. Thank you so much. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. 
If you have a comment or a question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt, and I'm joined with my featured guest this week of Deborah, Deborah Schlag. And before the break, we were talking about having a shift in your consciousness and an elevated awareness. And often there's a gift in your life. So I want to go back to that, um, Deborah. So if we could elaborate on that, because I know it's a really rich process. And what come, came up for me was um, a process of forgiveness and then allowing. And that they sound great and they sound wonderful, but they're not easy. It's, it can be a painful process. It can be. Um, and I see lots of people who get stuck because they're angry at the person who ran over them or they're angry at themselves for whatever took place. And I think the easiest way from how I feel to explain it is that, you know, when we go through life, when we're 20, maybe we're set in our thoughts and ideas about how the world works and what we think and everything. When we get to 40, we can look back and we can go, wow, I've really come a long way because that was a stupid idea or, (laughs) you know, that, that thing of growth and change. And what happens is most things happen to us over time. And they're just subtle little things, a little conversation here, or you experience somebody passing or um, different different things in life, and you just kind of slowly sort of change your perspective on things. And it happens over time, so you don't really notice it, and it's easier to um, process it and, and, and move forward. Mm-hmm. But, um, so every single thing that you say, do, hear... Um, today makes you a different person tomorrow. But what happens when you have this traumatic experience, whether it's brain injury, heart attack, cancer, any traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. is you have something that is huge. It happens to you, bam, all at once, and you don't get a choice. And, And you have to deal with it all at once, and it's lots of things all at once. And so you don't get the pleasure or the gift of letting it percolate, if you will, and and process it. So you kind of have to process everything all at once, and, and it's kind of overload for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if you can just kind of look at it as, oh, yeah, so I am a different person today than I was yesterday, and I have a lot of things to work on, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um and try and keep it positive. Don't let people talk negative in front of you. Don't don't let people set limitations for you and say, oh, because you have an injury, you're never going to be able to do this. Or people who have this injury never recover. They have a brain injury for life. Mm-hmm. You know, we have scars for life, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't... When you listen to somebody else and you let them set the limitations... And and it happens without even really knowing it. We hear that, and it gets in our head. If the practitioner that you're seeing does not believe that you can be helped or that you can be improved, your brain is saying, 
why would I think that I can? So when mm-hmm. you hear those things, you need to say to yourself, you know what, but I get to choose. And that was the hugest gift that was given to me um, when I asked a question once the woman I was asking it of said, well, let's just see what you do with it. You decide. She didn't give me any limitations on anything. She Everything was like, well, there's statistics, but you're not a statistic, so let's see what you do with it. And mm-hmm. if everybody could just see that, you know, they, they give us statistics because this is what they normally see, and they don't know everything, and they don't know how to handle everything. They, they're really good at short-term things, but when you're talking about it basically took me eight years to get from that day to the day that I I said, I think I'm good now. I think I'm back to me and even better than me. Um, it's a long haul, and people don't know what to do over that period of time. What do, what do you do when you get past the physical therapy and you get past all the, uh, you know, the traditional medical things that we do? Mm-hmm. What do you do mm-hmm. then? They well, exactly. Oh. So they put you in this category and you're in a box. Exactly. Time to get out of the box. And and that's, you know, what I refer to as, you know, I'm grateful for for what we have. I mean, we do. We have a lot of um, great doctors and hospitals and rehab. And, you know, neurorehab, as you know, is they're learning more and more. And, you know, we're coming along. But, um, yeah, once you've used that window, you know, and exhausted your benefits, um, the, the common phrase is, you know, you, you're, you're set up with a compensatory toolbox. Well, that's great, but what do you do with it if you find yourself lost again? You know, there's support groups, and they're often once a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was so rich and empowering, you know, to everybody. It's not about, no offense, just about brain injury. It's um, what we do in the midst of a circumstance that, feels like we're in muck or in quicksand and it's enveloping us. It's, you know, what you do with it and how do you, how do you get out of it, if you will. Um, so I, I love what you're sharing. I love it. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I, I certainly, I'm not um, trying to be offensive to anybody in the medical profession. I, I think everything has its place, but I think the traditional and the, uh, the Eastern, maybe you would call it, or the new mm-hmm. awakening things, they need to learn to work together. That's That would be my um, preferred thing, is if they could work together and not take offense at each other, um, that type of thing, because there's a place for everything. And, and it's also um, a choice that people have to make. Do I want to do it this way or do I want to do it that way? And mm-hmm. know that if you choose, whichever way you choose, whichever way you believe in your brain is going to help you, that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be it. Um, because I can tell you everything about the warm and fuzzy and the energy and everything else. And if you think it's all quackery, it may help you a little bit, but it, it's not going to help you as much as somebody who would embrace it and say, okay, let's try this thing out. I've never, and that's where I was. I didn't mm-hmm. really know about the, the energy work and those types of things before. And um, I just kind of that's said, what? okay, well, I don't really know about this. 
teach me everything you know, um, and what have I got to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, I, right. I don't want to walk around my house holding on to walls um, forever, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I did. I, I, I did just about everything there was out there with, without the drugs and without the surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we both did the similar walk, and it's, it's kind of funny to hear you say that because I, walk, I would walk through my house literally holding onto the walls. Like I, I describe it in my book that I'm writing, has, I felt like I was in a fun house. You know, it's like oh, yeah. it, no, nothing appeared exactly the way it was or, you know, as I knew it. And so the arms would go out to my side and it was almost like I couldn't see and I would fall, you know, to the side and the dizziness and the constant headache. And it, yeah, it was just... Just, I, I don't wish that on anybody. And, um, you know, you brought up another good point, too. Um, you know, Eastern medicine, I, I, I absolutely think that there can be a bridge between the two. And I know this is not to bash the medical system that we have in this country because I honor it and I was part of it. But I think a lot of times doctors, um, I'll say, get inflated egos and they, they don't want to hear. You know, if, if they can't, if they can't fix it, they don't want to hear about something that may not, they don't think um, is valid, you know, because, yeah, they're taught that we're disease processes and we're whole beings. Nurses learn that early on and now physicians are learning that people are whole persons and they're treating them, in t- you know, in their entirety, hence holistic medicine, which is beautiful. So I, I love to hear that. And your gut does serve you if if something doesn't feel good um or if you feel just very uncomfortable it's no matter what it is right we should oh, ask yeah, absolutely um and and they will tell you um uh, well I, and i've read and i know from experience when people come and see me they know what they need um and and they'll t- they'll tell you and if somebody a lot of times healing there's so much healing that happens just from being heard. And mm-hmm. sometimes I have people that come and that's all that, that's all they want and that's all they really need is they just need somebody to sit and listen to them and listen to their story and that, so that they can feel validated. And, and they, as they tell their story, they also release things in the telling. It's, it's the same like with writing your book. Writing my book was very, very healing for me. I, I wish everybody would write a book, whether they ever let anybody see it or ever have plans to publish it. You know, they could write it and burn it. That's okay. But it's very, very healing just to write it down, get it on paper, uh, and um, it helped wake me up. Mm-hmm. Um, mine particularly helped wake me up because when I started it, um, I could get to the end of one paragraph and I didn't remember what the beginning of the paragraph was, so I'd have to start all over. Every mm-hmm. time I sat down to write it, I'd have to start all over and read everything and then figure out, did I say this somewhere else? And so as, as I would reread it and reread it, it helped wake me up. Because mm-hmm. um, then it would be like, oh, well, and the rest of that is, Blah blah blah. <laughs> um, right, and I would remember more each time that I read it, and so it's it's a very healing process. 
It, I would like you know, to oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I just said um, I would recommend for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's funny. That's funny because in neuro rehab, they often tell you to write a book. Well, that's great if you can write, but my hands are weak. I'm left hand dominant. My left hand was weaker than my right hand, which is not an excuse. I'm not stuck in my story. And my eyes weren't tracking. And I hadn't gotten my glasses yet because I, I was on the verge of, um, well, I spent down all my life savings. So... Um, to get the glasses that you need to see, um, I had to actually ask for help in the community, which was really eye-opening. Anyways, what I what I was able to do, uh, my therapists were able to activate an iPad that I was given, and there's a voice. Oh yeah. To my iPad, that's how I write my book. I talk to it. Yeah. And that's how I send emails. I talk to it, so it's kind of funny. You may have noticed when I emailed you that there may be some typos. It's not me, it's the software. Um, so yeah, writing a book is, is cathartic and um, whatever it is, journaling, it's, it's important. It really is. And you know, so I'll say, what, what actually inspired you? I know, you, you know we've talked here and there about the book. What inspired you to write the book? Well, actually, it, it came to me in my couch days, what I call them, um, mm-hmm. when I was living on the couch and sleeping so much. And um, before then... You know, I didn't really watch TV, but during that time I had TV on and I'd have it on quiet because any sudden noise would totally startle me and it would it would just throw me into a frenzy because I had no filters and it would take such a long time to calm down so that I'd keep the TV on um, mm-hmm. so that it would kind of buffer out some of the outside sounds and I discovered Oprah. And what I discovered was whatever, sometimes when I'd wake up and I'd see some of it, whatever she talked about, if it was good and she'd say, yay, this is good, everybody would go and it would disappear off the shelves. And if she said, oh, stay away from that, people couldn't give it to you if their life depended on it. Mm -hmm. And it just dawned on me, you know what, I raised five children and I had no clue. I had kids who had a concussion, but nobody ever said brain injury or anything like that. And I thought, how could I get this far in my life thinking I'm doing everything well and, and I know how to take care of the body and all of that and then have this experience that put me in a place of I don't know a thing. I need to start all over. And so one day... Um, when I went into cognitive therapy, um, I said to the therapist, I said, oh, my gosh, you need to write a book. You need to go to Oprah. You need to tell people. You need to get it out there, get this information out there. I can't believe that something like this happens every 23 seconds, which is what it was at the time. And that the insurance company is, you know, dickering with us because they say, well, somebody like you only comes along every 10 or 15 years and we don't know what to do about it. Like, mm-hmm. how could it be every 23 seconds, but they don't recognize it? I, I couldn't put the two together. And I said, you need to write a book and you need to go to Oprah. And she just smiled at me and she said, no, sweetheart, that's your job. And I just thought that was hysterical. Like, I don't even really open my eyes much and people guide me in and out to the car and back to the house. And you think I'm going to write a book. But it kind of went in a circle of, ha, 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 they think I should write a book, mm-hmm. to, hmm, maybe I should think about writing a book. 
well, maybe one day I'll write a book, to, oh, here, you should write that down. You should put that in your book. And people would tell me that all the time. You should write that down and write a book. And to, one day, I just decided, I think I'll write a book. And then mm-hmm. I started it. And um, it took me seven years to write the book. Did um, it? It did. It did. I was at, like, second grade level, and, and like I said, I had to start and reread and reread. And then when I got it where I thought it was completely finished, I had my husband look at it, and I just I felt like, oh, is anybody really going to get anything out of this? Could you read it and let me know? And he read it, and he came back, and he said, do you remember punctuation, sweetie? Because you have, like, two sentences. They had it mm-hmm. some pages, but you have two sentences. <laughs> and he said, you need to um, look up some of the English rules, pull out some of the kids' books, or take a class online. You need to figure it out. And so I did. I went and I took a class online and um, brought English back into my life. And then I, I'd go through the book and... I would see the mistake here, but I wouldn't see it there. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was doing that, but I couldn't, couldn't I just couldn't it. do it. So I would go through the book, and I would fix all the mistakes so that, that I could find. And then I'd mm-hmm. put it away for a week to give me time to rest. And then I'd work on it every day for however long I could stand it. And I'd stop and take a nap and work on it some more and, until I worked through the complete book again. And then I put it away for a couple days to a week, and I redid that, I don't know how many times, at least a hundred times, until I got where I wasn't finding any mistakes on my own, and then I sent it to have it edited. And I had three different editors, and they were like, this is good, you got it. There, there was, I didn't have any um, little tweaks or anything. So it was a process. It was a long mm-hmm. process, but it helped me a whole lot. And with that, Deborah, we're coming up to a break, so I want to ask the listeners to please stay with us, and we'll be back momentarily, okay? Thank you so much. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt, and I'm joined today by Deborah Schlag, my featured guest on The Sky's the Limit. And, um, we were talking with Deborah before the break. She was sharing about the writing process of her book. So I'd like to pick that back up. It took her seven years to write the book, which is a very, I mean, a whole new perspective on your world. What, what kept you inspired, Deborah, to write? I mean, um, you know, I just, I felt like I was supposed to do it. And I had times where it was like, ah, oh, do you really think I'm supposed to do this? But every time when one of those times would happen, I w- somebody would call me. Somebody would send me a note or I would meet somebody that would just 
show me, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember one time I, I just thought, God, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a writer. Exactly. How, how exactly. Do, do this. <laughs> you know, if you want me to write a book, then you need to send me help. And it was when I was just starting to kind of venture out of my house a little bit, and I had invi- been invited over to one of the neighbors. And while I was there, um, another neighbor was there, and the neighbor who invited me said, Oh, have you met Shelly? She lives right behind you, and she writes for Harlequin and Avalon. And to me, that was just like, you asked for help, here she is. And I ended up inviting her over to my house, and, and I had told her that I was trying to write a book, and I wanted her to look at it, tell me if she thought I was crazy or if she had any ideas for me. And she was awesome. She showed up at my house. She brought me some reference books. She looked at everything I had, and she said, you know, people tell me all the time they want to write a book, and I look at what they're doing, and I think they will never write a book. And she said, but you, my dear, you're writing a book. You are absolutely on track. It's organized. I mean, she just kind of went through and pointed out everything for me step by step, that where it was, how it was, even though we're different types of writers, because mm-hmm. hers is more like novel and fiction. And um, she pointed out things that I might do to help it a little bit. I started with eight chapters. I think there's 23 chapters in there. Um, but she just, she was the answer. And, and then it, every time I hit a stall point where I just felt like, oh, I'm never going to get this done, and, and I felt like I was on a timeline, and, and mm-hmm. then um, when I was feeling stressed because I wasn't getting it done, I think it was about the time... Uh, what is his name? Brian Williams. He's a newscaster. Mm-hmm. And right. He had a brain injury because he was over-reporting in Iraq, and it seemed like he got back, he got well, and he was right back on the news, and he had a book out in record time. And I thought, mm-hmm. why is it taking me so long? <laughs> you know. I know. I know. What, I know that feeling. What wasn't registering with me is I am me, and I am doing this by myself. He is him. He's got a team of people helping him, and he probably told the story, and people probably put the book together for him. I I did not have that, so um, I was feeling a little stressed about that. And and somebody said, you know what? Just because you're asked to do something doesn't mean that you were given a timeline. And mm-hmm. as soon as that came out of their mouth, it was like a ton of weight just came off my shoulders, and I was able to move forward again. And so. I did have those places, but it was like I didn't slide too far before I was pushed right back up into place, you know, get going. Yeah, um, yeah and I was oh, I wanted to ask, um, you know, feelings of fear or, you know, ego, trying to keep you small, uh, and you touched on that briefly. What was that like? Because I know, you know, I, I've watched TV and heard, you know, you know, when you hear about an event, like you said, with Brian Williams, and all of a sudden there's a book. And you go, oh, wow, that's great. But, yeah, they're, they're well-established. They have a team and probably people offering for them. I sit here talking to my iPad, right, which is kind of funny all in of itself. And I think, oh, who's going to want to read my little book? 
But the message is powerful inside of my book as the message is powerful inside of your book. So, well, absolutely, well, because nobody can tell your story like you can. Right, right. So, you know, and like I said, in, in the midst comes up of all of this egoic speak and fear. So what was that like for you, like you said, to, to forge through? Well, I just felt like I was supposed to do it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason, I I didn't realize where all of it was going. At that time, I was still healing myself. I was working on learning the healing things, and I didn't even have a clue about opening the center. This is something else that came to me, but Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like this was something I'm supposed to do. This is the whole reason, because I can reach people, and, and everybody has a story, and everybody has somebody to reach. You know, it's just like, um, if you are looking for a particular hairstylist or massage therapist, and you can drive down the main road of any town, and you will see there's 10 or 15 different massages, 10 or 15 different hairstylists. There's enough for everybody, and somebody always speaks somebody's language. Now, there are be people who will look at my book, they will pick it up, and they will be like, okay, whatever, because I don't speak their language. And somebody else might write a book, and maybe theirs is a little bit more, maybe their language is a little bit more aggressive, and or maybe their experience was different than mine. But it speaks to somebody else, maybe somebody who's, you know, we did, there's just somebody who speaks to each one of us. So the right people will be directed to me and the right people will be directed to you or to whoever writes their book. There's help out there for every person in every situation. And, and that's how I believe it works. Mm-hmm. We're, we're mm-hmm. just all in this here together and we have to help each other. <clears throat> and the right people will meet up with the right ones when they're supposed to. Yeah, it's it's so true, you know. And I, I'd like to go back if I could. So, um, your book can we can we touch on that? The title, and if you could summarize the book into one or, well, to one, two or three sentences. So, sure. if you were speaking um, to someone who's unfamiliar with it, I mean, the healer. <clears throat> excuse me, the miracle of brain injury, and it's the story of my experience with brain injury recovery and the discovery of the miracles and gifts that were embedded in the trauma I experienced. Um, People today, they're suffering all kinds of trauma in their lives, and they need examples and ideas to help them move forward Mm -hmm. and to help them discover their own miracles and gifts because some people, they can be standing right in front of something and they don't see it for what it is. And sometimes it just just takes somebody to point out a different perspective or Mm -hmm. to say, hmm, did you notice this? Um, I had a lot of that. And so I, it was always my idea that this book was to help those that follow. I, I wish there weren't others who will follow, but at the beginning it was every 23 seconds. Two years ago, I think mm-hmm. when I looked it up, it said every nine seconds. So mm-hmm. that means I there's more and more true. all the time. And and we just need to help each other, and that was the whole purpose of the book, and still is. Yeah, I think it, you're correct. It's every nine seconds for a concussion, and I, 
I don't know. I think I, I got the same information in my neuro rehab. I think it's every 22, 23 seconds, someone has a traumatic brain injury. And I don't know. I think that may have changed to a shorter period of time. Uh-huh. But that's, I, I heard, and I, you may have heard as well, that our, the diagnosis we share is now termed America's Invisible Epidemic. Yeah. Well, and there's so many that go undiagnosed. Um, mm. I talk to people all the time that they've been searching, going from doctor to doctor to doctor for seven years, 10 years, 13 years, and people tell them that they're crazy. People tell them they, you know, they, they don't know what's the matter with them, and they've been hunting for a long time, and, and they haven't actually come upon a diagnosis or anything that, that can help them. And then there's also other people that they know that something's the matter, but mm-hmm. they won't seek help because they don't want to admit that they have a problem. And you right. see this a lot, particularly um, in younger um, people and, mm-hmm. and also in males because they don't want to admit that they need help. Right. They don't want people to look at them differently. Um, they don't want any special arrangements. You know, if, if you have a brain injury and you want to finish school or go to college, there's the American with Disabilities Act that says um, if you want to go to school and you have this disability, when a professor gives a lecture, you are provided the notes instead of having to take your own. When you take a test, you can be given a separate areas so that other people don't distract you. You can be given longer periods of time. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of things to help you through and it's it's not something to be ashamed of. You can mm-hmm. do what you want to do. You might need some tools to help you get through. Um, but you you know, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of, and people should take advantage of those things in it. So there's a lot of them that are undiagnosed and um, that don't get that help. Exactly. And it looks like we're, with that, Deborah, it looks like we're coming up on a break. So I'm going to ask you and the listeners to please stay with us, and we'll be back very shortly. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to Show at gmail.com That's TheSky'sTheLimitShow at gmail.com And remember to use the hashtag TheGiftIsTheShift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, this is Karen Levitt, and thank you for joining us. I'm joined with my guest, Deborah Schlag. We're talking in depth with Deborah about her book. And Deborah, so if we'd like to pick up where we left off, I know we were talking about the high rate or incidence of traumatic brain injury, and often they're missed. You know, they're misdiagnosed or people don't even realize. And um, if you could pick up on that, that'd be great. Well, they're they're learning more and more. And, um, you know, it's, it's good. There's some movies out now that are helping. But there still are very many people who aren't diagnosed 
or even those who are diagnosed, a lot of times they their medical runs out or there was no insurance or mm-hmm. to get covered or whatever, and so they're not getting the kind of care that they need. Um, right. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and we just have to jump in there together. And, and one of the things that happened for me was because I, I didn't have my eyes open when I would be taken from doctor to doctor, um, I didn't do support groups. I didn't do online things because, of course, I didn't do computer, and mm-hmm. I didn't even know that they were available. But you, I found that sometimes the same people that were in this waiting room over here at this doctor, I would see them over here, or I would hear them over here at this doctor. And a lot of times what would happen is they would say, well, did anybody ever tell you to do this or to do that? Mm-hmm. I figured out if you do this but you change it to that, it works much better. And so mm-hmm. they would give me tips on things that worked for them or things that they figured out on their own that the doctors never told them. And they would also, as they would see me, each time they would see me, they would they were such encouragement to me because they would say, oh, my gosh, did you realize the last time I saw you, you weren't doing this or you weren't, you know, you're walking much better or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they would pick up on the things that I was doing better when, like, for me, it seemed like an eternity. Mm-hmm. And I know that people feel that way, but it's like climbing stairs. You know, you climb for a little while and then it kind of levels off. And when it levels off, I think what happens is we don't feel like anything is happening, but what is really happening is everything that we just have been working on and make improvement on is like kind of being assimilated overall throughout our whole body and everything is balancing out. And then when it gets to a point where it can take on more, then it starts where we're going up another stair. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing we need to remember is that when we're in that balancing out place, if you're doing any type of homework like word games or logic skills or whatever it is, don't quit doing it. Just keep on doing what you're doing. It helps because if you quit, you you tend to backslide. So you just keep on doing it, even in those lulls, and before you know it, you'll be climbing the stair again, and then everything will balance out again, and you you just keep moving up the ladder. It's very frustrating. I mean, I remember that it was for me like I had a stroke. I, you know, it was very frustrating because you're, you know, I'm very, I was very driven and very motivated, very type A. And mm-hmm. it's amazing, you know, we, we multitask. And I, I say that in my book and often when I speak is, um, you know, I was able to multitask before with, with not even thinking about it. And now to do something is to be fully present mm-hmm. to whatever that. It's a real was a real source of frustration, you know. It was like I said, almost having like having a stroke, and um, yeah, I, I wasn't really liking myself. So for me, a big key was um, doing forgiveness work, and you know, Western medicine you don't really hear a lot about that. And then, as you know, you go through traditional, um, you know, psychotherapy, and yeah. that's great. But then, yeah, to hit on. Uh, someone who's holistic, as you were talking about earlier, you know, to really get into that um, and start to really peel back the layers of forgiveness 
mm-hmm. are huge. And I wondered what that was like for you, the forgiveness well, process. We are mind, body, spirit, and things come on in layers, and they go off in layers. And a lot of times we think we've worked through something, and we think we're done with it, and we're good now. And then maybe six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, something else will come to the surface. Everything mm-hmm. comes to the surface to be cleared when we're ready to do it. And and we might think that this, say, we had this one particular issue and we thought we cleared it all. Maybe there was just like a little uh, little bit of it left that we just were still holding on to, just not ready to let go of. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it will come forward, and when it does, you just you just acknowledge it when it gets there and, and let it go. And it, it's not even just the forgiveness; it's the whole thing, you know, people with brain injuries, they slow down their life. Mm-hmm. And maybe we all weren't supposed to live such a fast-paced life anyway, because when you slow down, you are more able to live in the moment. So kind of, instead of thinking of it as a curse, think of it as ah, I get to live in the moment where everybody else is still racing around like a chicken with their head cut off trying to do everything under the sun because one person can't do it all and eventually they will fail. Um, exactly. Something will give in their life when it's too overloaded. And mm-hmm. where we are, we've, we're have we already slowed down, not necessarily by choice, but by circumstance. Mm-hmm. So since we've had that circumstance, we need to take advantage of it and make the most of it. Oh, I love that. As you know, when you when you say or tell someone that you have a brain injury, there's I think a certain stigma that comes up. Um, you know, yeah, and, and it's oh, well, you look yeah, to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. and um, yeah, such such a battle, you know, to be able to navigate in the world, even though you look well. Yeah. I talk a lot about going to the grocery store. That that's that's daunting, you know. Early, on, that was daunting. Never mind any place else, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, and people are amazed that I can drive. I'm a much better driver than a passenger because the PTSD and the anxiety because I have no control just totally kicks in. But yeah, the process of um, forgiveness and allowing was was big, and I think you know you you so eloquently put that put all of that together. Well, I, I love. I love that, and yeah, you know, I don't want to bash men as well. Men either, excuse me. But men, men are taught, you know, and don't cry, and you know, and yeah, this is big. So they can hear that, just to allow and let the process to unfold. Um, I think yeah, oftentimes, just let yeah. It go. Um, and I think that's something. I must just look like the right person to come and cry to because a lot of times when I speak at um, support groups and stuff, the men will come talk to me and, and they do so miss their old life. And, and I understand, um, you know, they're not able to do the things that they used to be able to do, maybe support their family or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think they can find new things. It's just... Maybe it hasn't even dawned on them. Let me change my perspective and look at this. Instead of hating everything, let me find something to love. You know, um, an example of that is 
when we would move with our children to a new place, I would always, very first thing, take them someplace we love in that new town, the library. Mm -hmm. And we'd always go get a new library card and get, and get books. And if you can find one thing to love, it makes it kind of like all okay. And then you start mm-hmm. adding another thing, another thing. And so since right away they had a library card and they loved the library and, and, or they could go skating or whatever, then they loved where we lived. And exactly. it's the same with our life. And, and it's, there's a thing in energy medicine. It, it says, um, whatever, wherever your attention goes, it grows. So mm-hmm. if you hate your life and your focus is, ah, I don't like this, and you're always griping, complaining, and oh, woe is me, it, it makes it grow. It gets bigger and more out of control, and you hate it more, and you get stuck. Whereas if you change your perspective and you find something that you can love in your life, um, then just focus on that one thing, and then pretty soon find another, and then another, you will find that you can... You can move forward easier because you're finding things to love, and probably when you step out and and do some of these new things, you might discover doing something that you didn't used to do, that you really love it. Like maybe you didn't used to be a gardener, but you're going to go try it because what the heck, you don't have anything else to do, and you really love it. And so you start a garden, and you help feed the neighbors. You're not doing your regular job, but... You're doing something that you love, and that's how it happens. It just kind of mm-hmm. can't just go look for what am I supposed to do new. You just have to say, okay, I'm ready to do it, and start loving something. Right. And Be open to it. Yeah. It will come to you. Exactly. And um, with that, Deborah, it looks like we are coming to a close. I can't believe that the time has flown by, so I'd like to highlight your website. Um, so I'm going to ask you, will you share that with the listeners, please? Oh, sure. Your website? Um, you can go to awakeningscenternc, like for North Carolina, dot com. Um, and the full name is Awakening Center for Inner Healing and Empowerment. And the book is Becoming the Healer, The Miracle of Brain Injury. And you can connect with me on Facebook. You'll see a picture of the book when you pull up my name. Um, awesome. And I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. I want to thank you for joining me today as my guest. Thank the listeners and tell everyone I'll see them next week on the program as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift.